Jim is wearing his heels Marching around the town to get some thrills But it's time to go in now On this episode, I'm joined by an Olympic medalist. Unbelievable story. It's wild. It's the great Niall Wilson. Niall, brilliant to have you in the studio. Thank you, Jim. Um, amazing. Like, really, really good. And we were just talking before about how I saw you, um, mm-hmm. which was a TED Talk, of all things. You know, I, I do listen and watch TED Talks. I think it's important. Yeah. And you popped up as the algorithm works on yeah. YouTube. And the way that you delivered it was amazing. But I thought your story was unbelievable. So the fact Thank that you. you got back in contact and said, mate, I'm keen to come on at some point. We've made it happen is amazing. So Absolute pleasure, mate. I'm excited. Class. Let's We've both it. got nosebleeds because we're in London, so we're a long way from <laughs> yeah. north, up north in Leeds. I'm already twitching from this. I know. Yeah, but it's class. Maybe just for the listeners, I always say this, but I'd rather you kind of give a snapshot of your journey and your career as opposed to me talk for you, and then we can just... Yeah. Go from there. Okay. So, yes, ex gymnast, started gymnastics when I was four years old. The reason I was super clumsy, I'd have four scars on my head, split my head up. And as a kid, so my parents said they took me to learn how to fall or have some body awareness and spatial awareness. And then with gymnastics, it's it's a sport where your physiology is important. So, I, I ticked those boxes. I was small, I was light, I was strong. Um, my parents are super small. So, I'm only. F- unfortunately five foot six but that that was always going to be an advantage but then I think you need a bit of um what's between the ears a bit of a screw loose absolutely no fear and I guess I had all of those things but I just remember loving it you know you always hear now because we, we're running four gymnastics clubs now which is super exciting I'm sure we'll talk about it you know the, the parents like oh they, he wants to go to the Olympics wants to the Olympics and you know it's such an unbelievable dream and goal and I and I certainly had that the, the realism that that's going to be the reality is so slim. And and I I don't really ever remember thinking, yeah, that's that's it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be. I remember watching it on the telly and thinking, wow. But if I think back to my early years, I was just obsessed and addicted to gymnastics. That's all I remember. And I couldn't wait to get there every day and learn the next trick. And... Fortunately, I was one of those people at 18 years old. I sort of springboarded myself onto the senior team by becoming junior European champion that year and then going straight to the Glasgow Commonwealth Games and won four medals. So it all happened really quickly. And then it's unusual at so young, you make the game. So two years later in Rio, was I was 20 years old. Yeah, made the team and, and went and won bronze on high bar. So unbelievable career in gymnastics. And then I guess fast forward a little bit whilst I was on that journey I loved making videos and I was quite creative from a, from a kid you can go back and YouTube and I, I used to put a show reel on YouTube every year um, of my gymnastics tricks that I'd filmed in the gym my mum parents bought me a camera for Christmas and I remember sitting for hours at the computer so I guess I was always a bit of a YouTuber at heart and then documented a little bit of the journey into I called it the road to Rio so you can see all those old videos terrible by the way didn't have a clue what I was doing. All my mates were looking at me like, what the fuck is he doing? Like, That's embarrassing, talking to a GoPro. Everyone's cringing. 
but I just I enjoyed it and I sort of deep down I thought you know what if I if I can get good at this and have a few eyeballs watching me on this journey I'm more likely to get a sponsor because that was gymnastics isn't very marketable and you know you, you had gymnasts and on an APA funding grant so we was getting paid not very much to do what we loved but then you had like a Lewis Smith at the time when I was growing up I'm sure you've heard the name who, yeah. who meddled in Beijing and then went on to medal in London and Rio he had 10 sponsors and they were Adidas and Subway and British Airways and I was like what's all this about you know like that's a cheat that someone my friend who I'm training with at the gym he's also making a lot of money but there was just one guy so I thought you know that it was in the back of mind this might give me a little bit of an, an advantage in that arena where I don't just need to rely on my grant I could actually possibly make money elsewhere and um, I'm sat here today with the huge business and 1.6 million subscribers did did not in my wildest dreams imagine that that was going to happen um, I remember back in the days I was getting I was buzzing with 5,000 views on YouTube and then 2017 was the was the year it all took off. It went from 10,000 to a million in just under 18 months, which was crazy, crazy. Then I guess now I'm fully retired. A couple of bad injuries, well, one specifically bad injury sort of ended that that journey, which was upsetting and I want to talk about it. It's, it's so, and you'll know, it's so difficult retiring because your life is all about the sport it's your identity it's what you've lived for it's your purpose it's so simple i wake up every day and my job is to be try and become the best gymnast in the world then all of a sudden that's gone but fortunate enough that i had built a mini little empire in in during that that i've, I've you know we're now starting to open gym clubs and try and get as many kids and, and adults into gymnastics as we possibly can and grow that we've got four clubs now leeds rotherham um, Coventry and Mansfield and that's that's growing really well and still doing the weird and wonderful content and I'm my new obsession is golf <laughs> so found a passion in that that's kept me off the booze a little bit interesting <laughs> interesting I need a hobby yeah. badly podcasting your hobby I, I don't know maybe this is the hobby and I'm being too hard on myself but <laughs> it's uh, a really interesting sport I sit here Six foot nine with heels, one of the most unathletic <laughs> humans to have ever played rugby. And I am drawn to gymnastics more than ever. Uh, I'll give you a little reason why. And I want to go further into this and show you some stuff that I've been okay. flicking through at some point. Okay. But the Edinburgh Fringe Festival is on at the minute. And they have a number of different shows. Comedy, which I love. I, I spoke yeah. to you about that. Uh, music, which is great. But the Cirque the Soleil shows, the yeah. Cirque shows. Yeah. I'm watching these. And I've been to see three this year. I saw the same one last year, the same one the year before. Mm -hmm. These gymnasts, these athletes, because everyone talks about the ultimate athletes. Like, what? what is that? Like, NFL is the most watched sport, NBA, like freak athletes because of their height, their speed, football, ridiculous mm -hmm. amounts of money, UFC, boxing. Yeah, I'm looking at these athletes doing the Cirque du Soleil, and they are former gymnasts or... Acrobats. Acrobats. Yeah. It blows yeah. my mind the the athleticism and the strength, the accuracy, the bravery watching it. And maybe it's my age because I don't know, whatever. Like the music that comes with it, mm -hmm. I'm drawn to it. And I've and again, like doubling down on looking at your stuff and seeing your stuff. I think many people are looking at this now, and other sports are drawn to gymnasts and my lads 
12 starting on rugby and he's going to be tall and rangy, hopefully significantly quicker than me. And I'm like, yeah. mate, you need to get into some kind of gymnastic, athletic movement. 100%. It's an unbelievable I, I mean, sport. I always say every kid should do it not to be a gymnast, just for, it just, it puts you five steps ahead in terms of your body awareness to be able to do anything else. And that doesn't even necessarily mean in sport, just moving day to day. It sounds strange, but you know where your body is from head to foot because of the the skills and the, the, the fundamentals that you then step by step go through. Your core strength and your mobility is tenfold better than people that don't gym, do gymnastics, which helps in every other sport. It does if you're more mobile. Like I always say... I mean, this this might connect to you. I've never in my 20 years of gymnastics known a gymnast to pull a hammy. And arguably we're putting just as much force through our lower body and legs as rugby players and footballers. Mm. I, I, arguably more. When we're coming down from the height, high bar or rings at 2.8 metres off the ground, when we dismount, we then go higher. So say three metres off the ground somersault in the air and landing is roughly three to five times body weight the force but because of that it sort of trumps physics whenever it says you, you can't be strong and flexible at the same time it's just nonsense like and like muscular tissues health is just second to none tendon strength everything mm. and it's all those little tiny little muscles that the stabilizers that you just don't know are there you know you, you've got pecs biceps triceps but how do you hold yourself up in the rings with straight arms without moving your body? It's it, it, there's so much more to the physiology, I guess. But I I think it's the best spot in the world, and everyone should do it in some way, shape, or form. Maybe to go on a journey like I have because it, it is super. The the thing about it as well is the the technicalities and the the skill learning. Everyone to an extent can can run, they can kick a ball, they can ride a bike, they, you can connect with that those sorts of sports. Obviously. The top level is, you know, it's like it's next level shit. Mm. <laughs> but not everybody off the street can do what we do. And I'm not just learning a backflip. I'm learning tricks and skills on six pieces of apparatus, which is what drew drew me in. Like every day was different. I was learning something new from the age of sort of eight, nine, ten. And, you know, a lot of it is physical prep. You have to do a hell of a lot of conditioning and strength work and put yourself through a lot of pain. But sort of when you tick those boxes and they're in daily, you just get to learn hell, like loads of tricks. For, for years, it was just a... I was so obsessed. It was so fun. Uh, but yeah, Cirque, the stuff that they're, they're doing and then continuing to innovate like, what's physically possible for the human body just blows my mind. Yeah. And it's a spectacular show. And, and it's interesting, actually, because gymnastics as a sport is not marketable at all there's zero financial gain really you know it's, it's nowhere near mainstream media however you've got a, a company and entity like Cirque de the Soleil which I'd probably liken it a little bit to the UFC mm. where it sells out every night yeah, it, the they, they should, so it, it sells out every night multi multi billion dollar it's captivating you know acrobatics and gymnastics and athleticism in a certain way that's marketable so it's like i'd love to be a part of this journey where where can the sport shift to maybe go more towards mainstream because i, I know what me, me and my mates had to go through and the the hours in the gym the blood sweat and tears 
for to be honest, very little reward. It's sort of still seen as a bit of it. You're, you're doing your hobby. Mm. That's your hobby and you have to have this dream to go to the Olympics and there's no way you're going to be a superstar in the making and, and from it. And, and most of you know my retired mates that did the games with me uh, had to go back to uni and have got nine to five jobs with in the family business. And, and it's just like, Oh, like how can we move the sport forward so that it's it's sort of more towards Cirque du Soleil? Where well, they... you were ahead of the game because of well, content. Yeah. Like that's why For you know, sure. like you you could see it. And I, I think now when people are looking at things with a short attention span, like social media, um, cultural relevancy, like all these things, and I, I'm sure many people are the same as me when they look at stuff. It's like when you if you go and watch someone sing or you go and watch a band. Or you go and watch a comedian. We were talking about how hard comedy is. Or you go and watch someone speak or whatever. It's because a lot most people can't do them things. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the athleticism of gymnastics or these Cirque du Soleil, I, me personally, I'm just like, wow. Yeah. No one can, 99% of people cannot do that, cannot hold themselves up on rings, cannot do flips and somersaults. I just think it looks so cool. Yeah, well, thank you. It does, it does. But you're right. Social media accelerated that whole process with and a bit of music it, as well. You had a bit of music. It sounds yeah, really yeah, it cool. Sounds a bit of a cooler. filter. But I, I remember when Insta became a thing and YouTube. I was, I was doing. You know, I was making my show reels. But I, I think it impacted the sport in a positive way. Everyone was doing bigger and better. But I remember me and the lads will all agree. You were doing tricks now in the gym and wanted to learn the new skill for the gram and you'd film it like but back in the day you, you won't film anything would you you have your coach watching you how it looks give you some pointers and you'd learn the tricks like now i wanted to learn a casino which is the hardest skill on the high bar so that i could post it on the instagram then all of a sudden you start seeing younger kids videos of younger kids doing the skills that that i can't even do and it's been plastered all over instagram so i just feel like this this whirlwind tidal wave of of media, everyone's got access to seeing what everyone else is doing. I think pushed on the sport massively, and in terms of the degree of difficulty that that's been performed now, is just out of this world, and it's just making it more of a spectacular viewing sport. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Shall I show you what I've been looking at? This isn't my iPad. This is the studio iPad. Areas African Kings. I can't pronounce his name. Alseni Natural Muscle Monster. Okay. No weightlifting. Only body weight. Agreed. Look here, here. Have you? Do you recognise him or not? No, I've not seen. I've not seen him. Is his strength about to blow my mind? I have never seen anything like this bloke in my life. Right, so there he's doing knee tucks. I can do them. <laughs> really? I can, I can, yeah, these are scissor kicks. I can do them. Look at the shape on him. You yeah. wait. So he's, he's building the scene. It's, the, the, it's a different sort of body type as well, isn't it? You know, a gymnast structure. Look at the flips. Yeah. Can you do that? Not, not, no. Not that. I won't be doing it on concrete either. He is in a car park. He's got the bars. 
Look at oh my that. God. Holy shit. It's on concrete as well. It's not good for the joints, mate. But it's good for the gram. <laughs> well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Look at the strength. Yeah. He's holding himself from a bar. You'll have to go to video to watch this, but... Yeah, it's, it's so impressive, man. Now, if that is not one of the greatest athletes walking this planet, he's walking on his hands. I love this debate. So, so what are you saying gymnasts are in the, are in the pole? Did you say they're the ultimate athlete? Yes, I would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had to pause slightly because it's, as in, what is gymnastics? Yeah. I know there's a wider scale around it. Yeah. But in terms of like power, movement, yeah. and transferable. I'm going to say transferable things into like life because you have to move around yeah. and I'm so rigid and so stiff and I go back to my time as a rugby player. Yeah. If only, if only I, I could get into certain positions, if only I, you know, I could run smoother. Mm -hmm. And that's what I say to the kids. Any kids now, like I was at an event at the weekend and similar conversation, the parents will say, oh, I want my, my kid, I want my lad to yeah. be a professional rugby player. And I'm like, well, the chances are that that, probably isn't going to happen just yeah. in terms of... Do you tell them that? that? I, I, I kind of do say that yeah. because you can see like they're putting pressure yeah, for sure. on their kids. And I, I think just it's said, a good like, thing. Yeah, like you need... And it's a contact sport. Yeah. But, and they just said, if you've got any advice, I'd be like, obviously the skills like catching, passing, kicking. I was like, you have to be athletic. Yeah. And what does that mean? Like you, you don't need to be a bodybuilder. You don't need to be this and that. You need to be able to move. Yeah. Like rugby's about different positions and getting out of positions and gymnastics i agree obviously i'm biased the thing that what interests me is i've done a hell of a lot of content on youtube and started this series like gymnast tries there's three of us me and my two mates we, we live together a period of time we do content together you might have seen them they're called luke and ash and they used to do gymnastics when we was a kid great personalities they make the videos better we all have a laugh but specifically um me and ashley was on the top olympic squad luke was a very talented gymnast and sort of stopped when he went to uni at about 18. The three of us have tried loads and loads of different sports and it's great because we're competitive. So like once one of us does something ridiculous, then we all have to do it. Like we, we all three of us backflip BMXs, mate, it, within 10 minutes, which is ridiculous. But they, they, this is what I'm saying is out of every sport we've done and being with a coach, they're just completely blown away as the, as the speed that we can pick it up how we've completely no fear, how our brains can connect with our bodies and work out a certain movement very, very quickly. You know, I performed on this year's uh, ITV's Dancing on Ice. Mm. <laughs> that to me is, it, it just painted a picture of exactly what, what we're saying because have you ever been on never never, never been on been the ice. A... i went as a kid like everybody else yeah went round. i could i could skate round on my feet that mm. was that was it and I, I i tried to on the show just just go through a journey and and be really humble because I, I am and just say look this is my process but i knew and now that i've finished it like you watch it i i was clearly so much further ahead at skating and and i put it's, it's because of gymnastics everyone mm. kept asking me is, is it is an advantage of course it is because if I, I know my body is, and when coach says, "Can I? Can you think about putting this here?" and the the feel is this, I I just went right, yeah, do it, done. And then also the 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 zero fear of falling over, because this is this is something I overlooked for a lot of years. I would just send anything on the ice because I knew when I fell. Which, by the way, I I fell more than anyone on that show, but because I was 
trying bigger tricks and because mm. I wanted to. But then also I knew how to fall over. I wish I knew it back in the day. I thought <laughs> I thought it was a girls' sport. That was how yeah, it was well, positioned. Yeah. You know, like that's what it was. It was just and not just in rugby. I grew up in Coventry in the Midlands. It was like football. Imagine me going to a fucking gymnastic club, being like, here I am. Yeah. You know, and you'd think it would be like leotards and like ballet shoes. Like that was it. It was just a, a cultural mm-hmm. like shift. It is. It it was and it is. It still is. I, you know, I got bullied at school for doing a girl's sport. I'm super proud. It's now the opposite in it. Like, look at that video, that guy, you know, that's the con. It's cool to be a, a gymnast. To move like that. It's cool, man, which mm. is really good for young lads. And I'm still passionate about getting them into it because about all the things that I've explained, how much it teaches you more. But I always said I, I got bullied at school until I did a backflip, but then the bully would not stop asking me to do a backflip because they were so buzzing of how cool it was and they mm. wish they could do it. So it, it's like if those that are going through that now still, which it's still there, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, an arena would would fill, you know, the O2 arena would fill from the bottom to the top for a women's gymnastics comp versus the men's. It's still not quite there. Yeah, and the sport's different, but it's certainly a lot cooler now to be a male and be able to do some tricks, gymnastics, yeah. and be shredded and have six packs. You know what I mean? I'm so jealous. <laughs> I am. I'd love to be a little bit taller and more handsome. Yeah. <sighs> you say, oh, I'll take the handsome bit. <laughs> the uh, the tall, mate, life is not built for people my size. I've just turned 40, and it's not an identity crisis, but I'm losing a bit of weight. Like I've been doing, I feel embarrassed saying this in front of you, but I've, I've given myself a challenge every day, which is Sick. to do 100 press-ups, 100 sit-ups, and 100 bodyweight squats. I train every day, like I do heavy weights, yeah. but almost like something where there's a bit of discipline to my day. So I get up in the morning, and before I have a coffee, yeah. love a coffee, got a lovely coffee machine, everything's too easy. Yeah. My life's too easy. So I'm like, I want to make it more difficult. Fucking hell. Doing 100 press-ups or trying to, I'm on my knees doing it. I'm happy. I'm being honest. I could say that I'm not. I could say that I'm banging out 100 press-ups. How many goes does it take you at the moment? I'll do it in sets of 25, 30. That's still pretty good, though. And yeah. then I'll do weighted squats and sit-ups are fine. But the, I've got four shoulder reconstructions, elbows, and wrists. Yeah. This is my excuse. Yeah. But I want to get to a point where I can just bang out 100 press-ups. You know, the abs start popping through and the, wife, and the wife loves me again. Love it, bro. But you're... Again, just on the content now, YouTube's a great platform, isn't it? Like we Brilliant. were talking about the kids now, whether or not they should be. I don't know if there's an age thing on it. 1.58 million subscribers. Crazy. Ment- like, And you can monetize that. So that's a business effectively mm-hmm. once you get to that point, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, well, look, I, like I said, I didn't really expect this to, to take off and happen, but I, I quickly learned that prior to that, of me taking off on the platform i guess i was just creating videos to cater to gymnasts and help gymnasts and tell my story in a way because i thought it might be quite interesting for people to see what we were doing you know on the olympic squad or whatever i went viral and then realized that that, that, that this has gone mental because it's not it's not necessarily me teaching someone how to do gymnastics it's because it's entertaining and people can find inspiration and feel something from it and laugh and i just copied what i did that took off and just accidentally fell on my feet and just like like everything I do became obsessed with it um, studied it and became a good YouTuber and knew how to make a good sort of 10 minute video that was captivating engaging and was was really cool like you know I was using my asset which was the gymnastics that I'd learned all the years and 
there's there's so many weird and wonderful things you could you can do from a concept perspective that looks cool. But then yeah. I realized it, it wants to be relatable. I always tell this story, but I would post on Instagram, for instance, my high bar routine, which I did in the Olympic Games in training. Unbelievable. I trained my whole life for that. And it'd get a thousand likes, whatever. I'd post a video of me doing, I'll be probably able to find it, a backflip into some underpants or to some shorts with the two mates holding the shorts, just do a flip and land in the shorts. It looks sick. And that'd get, 100,000 likes and 10 mm. million views. So it's like, right, okay. The, the, you know, you can't connect with my high bar routine. You've no idea what the hell, how the hell, what the hell, whether it's good, bad, not, whatever. It's just so technical. But you all know how to get dressed. You, you've all seen a backflip before, which everyone wishes they could do a backflip. So that's why I, that I connect to. It's like, oh, hold a minute here. That this, this content game and this gathering attentions not about what I've done in the gym my whole life. This is a this is a specific thing that I need to get good at and, and learn the game and find out what gets people attention and what doesn't and I loved it and became good at making YouTube videos, mate. And it's and it's changed it changed my life by the way. Completely changed my life. Mm. Went from earning, you know, not a lot of money to that it seemed to times by ten in with a matter of months when it was all going crazy and you know, when I talked about if if I just got a little bit more views, maybe I'd get one sponsor. They were knocking at the door, mate. I had five sponsors that the Adidas is the you know, now I'm with my huge deal with Gymshark, which is super exciting. This has allowed me to retire and be be amazing. All the Team GB ambassadors at the time. It was just a complete life change. I'm so grateful. And that's why I was desperate for you to come on because the I story is wild. I just I, I'm all in on people that just do amazing things. Mm -hmm. I just think that life is too short. And yeah, you know, when you chat to the kids or whatever, it's, oh, you know, like what opportunities are out there? I'm like, go for one and fucking nail it. And yeah. just be like, as good as you can be, whether or not that's an instrument, whether or not it's a language, whether or not it's sport. I always veer away from sport a bit though, because it's a short life. So I'm like, JJ, pick up my lad, pick up the guitar. Come on, son. I know what you mean. I was uh, chatting to a mate about it, and we did a, a little bit of research. I want to say, you're lying again. But it was about like the, the three, the top jobs or careers that people want in the world. Mm -hmm. So an actor yeah. or actress, an athlete or a musician. Rapper, yeah. So I'd be like musician. I'd be like, if I went to watch Marcus Mumford from the Mumford and Sons with a guitar, I mean, unbelievable, watching mm -hmm. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, like with a guitar, John Mayer. I'm like, that is fucking unreal. Mm -hmm. Like that would be number one. And then being like a DiCaprio in a movie and just all them different personas yeah. would be amazing. Or Tom Cruise. But out of the three jobs, like we've, we've been one of them. What do you think in terms of the how difficult those jobs are and detrimental they can be on your mental health. Mm, very if true. If you think about the, the, yeah. the stories that are told, I've got a story, you've got a story like those, there's such tragedy, in, intense, intense ways to live your existence. Yeah. They're the, the best in the world. I always find that they've got very similar traits where you, you have to be slightly narcissistic. You have to be self-obsessed, indulgent, like in order to become an Olympian you have to put this one thing ahead of your life, like absolutely ahead of anything else, like mm. relationships, family, whatever it is, having fun. Yeah, like it's almost like sociopathic. Yeah. 
in a way. And you know what? That is that is the, the harsh realities of it. All them industries that I've just mentioned, everyone. Yeah. No, sorry, not everyone. I'll rephrase no, yeah, that. No. A large majority of them are mentally fucked. Yeah. Whether or yeah. not they became as a like a Bieber youngster or have you yeah. seen Britney Spears at the minute yeah. online have you seen her I've not no but she's got a fucking can... she's got a, like a pole in her house and she's doing these like oh, so dances yeah, half naked the poor him, thing yeah. For, but, as, but as well you've got the you've had the journey of it but like you talked about could you also imagine playing in front of what was it 100,000 people mm. I would say that rush like then can you imagine just just going home and going to bed like you can't, you can't do it. You're in a rugby team as well. Like you, the release afterwards, the the chase, like the of the dopamine and euphoria and serotonin levels, like hitting you all at once. Yeah, your dish, just, your dishwasher analogy, which yeah. we'll get onto now, was one in which I feel you. I know what that is yeah. on, on a lesser degree, and. When people ask, they talk about the transition, right? And and means something a bit different now. But like when we were retiring, it's transition out of sport or a career. You have two careers. Into life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw AP McCoy talking about it. It's like two lives. Like you have two lives. Like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you you're someone, and then you know one. Then you have to become someone again. Yeah. Really interesting. And you, you and I'll let you talk about your experience there. But just from mine, I struggled to go back through my career. And think I don't have much memorabilia at home. I very rarely talk about. We have a crack on the podcast to do with Goody when we talk about rugby. But deep down, like when I'm at the stadium, I find myself when, when the anthems are on, or if I'm in a full stadium and I can feel that energy, I get goosebumps at that moment. I find, find myself getting emotional because mm-hmm. I will never re- live that again. Yeah. I will never have that moment of euphoria of playing a test match. So, yeah. When you when you run out. I can't explain, I'm getting goosebumps now talking about it. So when you're in the zone and you've been in the zone and you're in that moment, that feeling, there's no other way to describe it apart from feeling more alive than you've ever felt. Like you're floating Mm -hmm. in a coliseum of people cheering and screaming and the hysteria. You feel like a fucking gladiator. That's how I imagine how they feel. Yeah. God, mate. And then it's gone. Yeah. And then it's gone. And then you're at home. And then you get, you know, that, and that's where listening to your TED talk and you're talking about that. It's like, just on the way you just said, I, I, I cry often watching not even gymnastics, like just the, the moments that I, I'm into golf, watching them come down the 18th and hauling the putt to win and the family's there and the, the, the elation, mm. like big fan of every the other week, the, the young lad that won Wimbledon, yeah, crying Carlos, my eyes out. Yeah, Alcaraz. It's the first time I'd not even watched Wimbledon. I just it happened. The final happened to be on, so it's there. I watched the last hour of it. I was crying my eyes out because I know what that moment's like mm. and what it feels like. And and it probably is that um, that bit inside of just slightly up. I guess sad that you're not going to be able to get it again mm. and come into peace with that in terms with that is super super difficult. And I think that that is why. This is me. I don't know the psychology around it, but a lot of these industries, which I'm saying to you, I want my kids to get into, um, <laughs> yeah. you, they go to drugs. Yeah, they go to drinking. Yeah, you, you, you try and replace or search for that in whatever it is. You know, substances. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and, and, I, and I've done it all as well. And, and I think you, that journey, when you said you're somebody, then you're nobody, then you're somebody. I guess I'm in this little bit of, I'm not nobody, but th- that's metaphorical. I, I still don't really know who I am, who Niall Wilson is on this next chapter of his life. And sometimes it's easier to drink a bottle of wine mm-hmm. on a night, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Than, than sit with your thoughts and like positive and negative ones about who the hell and what the hell you, you want to do next that's going to give you that purpose and drive and passion and fire that sport did. So yeah, you know, addiction issues and challenges are, are rife in, in those three industries. And I guess the, what, the dishwasher moment that you're describing from my TED talk is I, I basically just remember being home two days after the games. And lots of people have talked about it before, but you, it's something you never think about when you're on the, on the journey, do you really? It's like, forget all what's after. I, I couldn't even comprehend the life after Rio because my whole life was about the Rio Olympic Games. I just remember used to look at the, the sell-by date on food and it said December 2016. I was like, that's not even a real month. Like, I, can't, I can't imagine anything after this Olympics because the last 10 years has been about this moment. It's mm. been built up to this moment. So I guess that's why the Olympic come down and, and, and every sportsman and woman and everyone feels it. It's, it's like the holiday blues. You go away, you have the best holiday ever. You've waited for it for months. You've worked hard for it. You're nine to five. You're just like, yeah. Then you've got to come back to reality. This was like on a million times scale because your whole life has been about that holiday, the Olympics. And I actually went and it, it way outweighed my spe- expectations. It was the best experience, best three weeks of my entire life. I met people that friends for life that I never imagined. I won a medal. I parted the hell like the best I ever could. The, the following six days was like a stag do, just like top of the world. Felt like David Beckham. And then all of a sudden, I'm sat in my kitchen with my mum and uh, dad's gone to work. Life goes on. The same channels are still on the television. So like, oh, twiddling my thumbs like, what the fuck do I do now? And then she just said, now will you just come and help me empty the dishwasher? And I just burst into tears. It was just like that that hit me moment. It's like, holy shit, this is, this is real. This is tough. This is difficult. And then for the next 12 weeks, I partied hard and drank alcohol, chased women, you know, just, just ran away from having to deal with that without really, I was 20 years old. I didn't know what I was doing. That was just, and if you, if you, if you met me in that zone, I'd have been like, yeah, life's great. Cause I'm still trying to chase and find this high that I've just experienced and not necessarily come back down and dealt with reality, but it is, it's super tough. Yeah. Super tough. I mean, so how old were you at that point? I was 20 years old. Hey, you were a kid. I'm like literally a kid, mate. Yeah. Like if I think about if I think about who I am now and what I've been through and my what I think about and what's important to me, that's that twenty year old lad just had no idea. Mm. And he just had a, a life changing experience. Arguably it's it's pretty impossible to just throw any twenty year old lad to into that environment. To cope with that is tough. Like people listen to this and I've had people talk to me about it before. Yeah, but you got to do this, you got to do that. And yeah, like that's amazing. And mm. like, what very you call it luck. You need a little bit of luck along the way to be an elite athlete. But dedication, all these things that go with it. I think the issue in in this in this kind of transition period and the mental health that comes after it. One is men. It's a natural thing. You have ups and downs in life. That that is the thing. Yeah. But I think when something is so deep rooted in you as a child, I think being a child 
and what happens in your childhood that carries you through to adulthood, you know, into, how old are you now? 27. 27. Fuck, you're so young. <laughs> you know, I'm 40 now, four yeah. kids, but that effect of childhood, man, that carries you. For sure. That and carries think, you all the way through. And if it, like, how do you just switch off something then that you've been doing with literally with your eyes closed yeah. from as early as you can remember? I think as well, you you got to remember as well, you, you're affirmated by being a winner and a mm -hmm. performer. It's just we're competitors. Win, great. Lose, not great. How do we win? Then all of a sudden, what am I winning now? Mm. <laughs> you know, like what, what, it's it's like wow you're you're the best gymnast in the world, man, and sub, it's very subconscious subconscious in it, you know. I like when my ego's out, it's probably loving all those statements. It's like yeah, tell me, but you train, train, train to perform and and win. And I was I don't know about you, I was obsessed with winning. That's one of my biggest drivers. I just loved winning and I wanted to be the best. Mm. And then I guess in the transition and retirement, all of a sudden you're not the winner anymore and you're not the the performer anymore. You're just Niall. It's just really, really strange to come to terms with. Um, existing is enough. Just to come to terms with and peace with just existing and being you and being a great person is enough without all the glory and the, the, the champion status and the performing and the adrenaline and the pressure. and the like, I, I thrived in all of that. So how do I now then just now exist? Um, sort of oh, it, it is and it's really interesting going to depth about it I don't have the answers but I feel you like no, I yeah. know exactly what it is and you speak to people my mates who are in this space yeah. and it's almost like I'm not saying that this is the rule but it's almost like the ones that were really successful struggle more because their identity is heightened by, and I always think about Johnny Wilkinson. So Johnny Wilkinson dropped the goal for England in 2003. Mm -hmm. um, you would have been a been a, a baby -ish. Seven years old. Yeah. It? It, it, he's known, right? Johnny Wilkinson is known for kicking the winning drop goal for England to win a World Cup. And he's so much more. Like, he's so much more than that. Yeah. And some people would think, well, that's fucking unreal. Yeah. And of course it is. But for him walking down the street... He is that person, but he's not that person, is he? No. He ain't that person anymore. So what else are you? So he speaks about his struggles after sport. I've got other mates as well. You know, you have the the, the lasting scars, not just, you know, physically, but the bones that are broken. You know, mm. your inside are wrecked from painkillers and mm -hmm. all these things, like the brain issues that people are struggling with from contact sports. Yeah, And it's a really tough place to migrate through. You know, not that we're sit here doing a mental health podcast. We're not, but yeah. it's just the realities. I think of being a young man. I can't believe twenty seven. Twenty seven, mate. You know, life's not even begun for people at twenty seven, thirty. Mm. You know, my brother still lives at home, and he's twenty seven. Not that you know, he might live at home still, I but, don't you know, know. but but yeah, yeah like no. as in, he's, he's, he's not that he's not done anything with his life, but so difficult and that identity piece and trying to find yourself. Like, sure. I think there's many people listening to this would be in the same spot for sure i think i think just gratitude is one for me that i try and practice and i am you we you mentioned it just a second ago but it sounds really ungrateful that we we're whining about having the best experiences of mm. our lives because we're not and, and i've got to check myself it's like yeah but someone said to me the other day but because i said i was struggling and, and still do and i've opened got honest conversations but it's like yeah but niall you you got to do that mm. you got to do it You've got to feel it that, you know, and you only get one time around this, on this rock, 
you know, in this lifetime. Me and you, we we got to feel that, and it's like, yeah, that's sick. I'm so happy that. Yeah, did. of course. And 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 yeah, it's tough adjusting the transitioning, and I think a lot of the time when I'm at my best, it, it's just me defining myself by being a good person, by being a good son, brother, friend, boyfriend, being ambitious with what we're trying to build, continually growing, looking after myself. I think I think you just unfortunately you have to work hard on on maintaining good mental health and that's with exercise meditation eating sleeping you know limiting the amount of alcohol that i drink for instance you know unfortunately just like you have to do 100 push-ups a day to have a nice you know have some have a six-pack and strong muscles and Mm -hmm. look well you have to work hard on your brain it's the same thing and that that's absolutely fine and i've got a great life great people around me um but yeah I, i love having these chats because you know, it's just it's the hell of a roller coaster. One week I feel on top of the world, it's like, yeah, I'm back and I know what I need to do. I feel great, got a great life. And then literally within hours, days, it's like struggling here. This is a bit scary. But it's part of the journey and you you're learning, aren't you, every every day. Uh, yeah, and talking about it and I, th- I think being unapologetic about that is mm. you know, I don't open up often about it, especially on here but that's the facts of life it's like no one's going to be looking at me at 40 years old four kids having played sport and be like oh you know i bet he's on cloud nine every single day like no that isn't life mate that's that's not how it goes and i've got a really successful mate uber generous that's so successful in their given field um multi multi billion and the most generous of people you've ever met Mm -hmm. ever like i've never met anyone more generous but also so generous with their time. So when you have a conversation, and this is something that I try and be, it's great that in a podcast studio, we're listening to each other and having a conversation, which is yeah. sometimes difficult in it this is. day and age, but I'm talking to this guy, I'm not gonna name him, and he's so present. He's listening to every word that you're saying. He's not trying to cut you out, cut yeah. you off. He's not alphaing you, he's not one-upping you, and it's his time. And I think when you get to a level of success, and maybe this is me just kind of guessing, a level of a success, but also, whether or not success is in like wealth or like your life or whatever, he takes energy from giving back to other humans. Yeah. You can see it. Whether or not it's like money. Yeah. Stone you know, whether or not it is is that, but it's time. And I've I've found like some of the most successful people, you get the kind of ones that are just below like ridiculously successful, the ones that are constantly hustling, mm-hmm. hustling, they don't give a shit what mm-hmm. they need to do along the way and who they fuck off along the way as long as they get to where they want to get to. Mm-hmm. I'm on about the ones that are further than that. Yeah. Uh, it takes a special kind of human as well. Maybe that's what it is. And like with your stuff that you're doing and giving back to kids, mm-hmm. and it's something that I'm thinking about doing, like, you know, foundations and all these different things. I think you get a lot from doing that 100 i think one of the, the quotes is one of the most selfish things that you could do is help someone else mm. and what that means is it's contradictory but it feels good to help someone else it makes you feel good mm. and um i'm certainly not there I, I certainly am giving back but i a person that springs to my mind is my manager luke son one of the most unbelievable ex-professional cricketer sober for 10 years went to rehab completely changed and built a new life for himself we're so alike and been through a hell of a journey together. But what you're just describing there is is him. And if he's listening to this, he knows that I love him so much. But it's just he, he spends 
disproportionately super successful, incredible. They built what he's built business wise and and what he did in sport, but spends disproportionate amount of time in his day just giving, giving to mm-hmm. his kids, his his partner, his clients, just helping other people. Is is the person that most you know the majority of people around him probably need advice would would call Luke, and it's just so inspiring to see. And that's kind of what I aspire to because I'm on the journey of, I guess, trying to give back and do that with my content and try to inspire people, try to provide more gymnastics facilities in the UK so that more kids can get involved in the sport. But the majority of the time, going back to the conversation, I just get stuck in my head a lot. Mm. And it just then your ego comes out and it just becomes me, 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 me. I'm not happy. I need more. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I guess that that's the journey that we're all on, really. With the the gymnastics gyms that you're setting up are they they government are they sponsored like is there any initiatives around that it's privately owned Mm. by ourselves and a a few investors which is super exciting like look we're we're trying and passionate about building a business we we want to do that which is great but look look, there's gymnastics in the uk it's it's, there's there's about 1.3 million kids on waiting lists for the current clubs the challenge is in growing that and tapping into that, which we really want to do is staff coaching. It's a coached sport. You know, you can go to the park with a football net and you and your mates can have a kick about. You can't do that with gymnastics mm. because of health and safety and risk and things like that. So also the challenge is it's not necessarily a desirable job to be a gymnastics coach. Rubbish hours, not very well paid because the sport isn't necessarily well funded, but then also it doesn't cost that much, you know, it's like seven pound an hour for your for your child to do gymnastics, which I think on the journey of us trying to build this and you know, I arguably we're one of the biggest suppliers in the UK already with four clubs. And what's the name of it? Just now wasn't gymnastics. Oh, that's simple yeah, as that. Simple. My pretty face on the door, pretty name on the door. But the who is it that decided that and what, what steps can we take to you know how much you said you want your child to be a guitarist. How much are you paying for him to do guitar lessons? Mm. Probably a little bit more than £7 an hour. Right, you know, like I value the sport more so than just learning a forward roll and a cartwheel. You're learning life skills. You're learning how to follow instruction, be disciplined, to work with other kids, to overcome something that's uncomfortable, learning a flip for the first time. You feel nervous. You you do that. You feel elated. It's, it's such an unbelievable sport. How can we go right now? Actually, it's going to be ten pound an hour. Now it's going to be twelve. Now it's going to be thirty. Now it's going to be fourteen. And then you double the the cost of the sport. Mm-hmm. You make the the jobs more desirable because you can pay coaches more, and then we can start to build more clubs and markets want to get into it. I guess it's just got a it's a it's got a huge journey to go on, and our team are really passionate about being at the front of that and going like, come on, we're gonna we're gonna change, we're gonna revolutionize this sport in in how it's participated. But then also maybe. I'd love to have a new, new concept. I'd, a circus, a competitive circus, soleil. You know, like tapping at the two. So it's mm-hmm. not just you've got the F, the Federation of International Gymnastics, which is the rules, which are way too complicated that nobody understands, and that's why it's not mainstream. You've got the Olympic pathway, but actually, can we have a, can we have another thing? You know, look mm-hmm. at CrossFit. Look how commercial CrossFit is. Oh. It's 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 ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, the CrossFit athletes are unbelievable. Oh. But they, they can't do what we can do, mm. technically. You know, the stuff on the rings, they're good at doing a muscle-up, but can you do an Azaria Maltese and hold yourself in that position and then bounce to a crucifix position? It's like, mm. no. So how do we make gymnastics 
marketable mainstream. Yeah, it's like every possible. Uh, yeah, it is. Yeah, I, the fact that we're talking about it now, and I'm literally absorbing I I everything. It. It's the cultural relevancy that, which again, is an easy phrase to put out there, and fighting for attention. All these things that we're talking about in rugby, because. There are other sports that are just so marketable. Have you seen this bloody paddle tennis or Paddle's something? Paddle's mad at the moment. I can't believe it. It'll, so be, my, it'll be huge, yeah. So a lad that I play with, a lad called Max Evans, talking to flips, he could do flips. Really? Like He could do like a few in a row and like jump in some We need to get you doing a flip. Well, we Chip. can see that. Well, I saw you with Luke and Tom Stoltman. They were meant to come in next Sunday, yeah. actually, in here, but we just couldn't make the timings work. They, and, uh, I mean, mate, Tom. I, well, Luke, Luke had the, the world's heaviest backflip for about, a minute and a half till Tom did the world's heaviest backflip, as in body weight. Mm. So Tom's 185 kilos, 186 kilos. Massive humans. I love them. They're great. Them lads. great lads. Are they Gymshark athletes? Yeah. They are? Yeah. Mate, what a brand. And we'll get on to that. Yeah, yeah. So Max Evans, his brother is Tom Evans. Uh, I'm going on a few different stories here. Tom broke his neck playing for Scotland against Wales. So it was the best thing that ever happened to him because now he's engaged to Nicole Scherzinger. So he retired on the spot there and now he's engaged to Nicole Scherzinger from Man. the Pussycat Dolls. I know, yeah. And uh, I sent him a voice and I said, don't you wish your girlfriend was like <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, my wife's hotter. That's what I say to him. But uh, yeah, he's been doing the paddle fucking tennis for years. I was like, what is this bollocks? And then everyone's talking <laughs> about it as well because it's fast. Like there's a relevancy around it. And right. all sports are looking for that. Like rugby's looking for for that yeah. as well um, to try and speed up the game. And you see it happen, don't you? Cricket, cricket's a good example. Yeah. The darts are a great example. Exactly. There. You know, like it's possible for all of these sports. I feel like rugby and gymnastics are quite. They're not similar but sports. They're niche. But yeah, it's it's quite. You're either into it or you're not, and yeah. you either get it or you don't. And exactly right. And and both have the the unbelievable potential. Like if you if you think about it, I mean, I don't be careful what I'm saying. To, to watch technically rugby should be way more entertaining than football because you've got six foot nine blokes on a field like beating the shit out of each other that's what I love about rugby but <laughs> really we're not allowed to say that because it's like of everything that's going in which as a a non-rugby fan that's what you would say would you'd be drawn to it so mm. yeah and you don't you don't necessarily see the UFC or boxing apologising for there you go I always use that analogy. Do you know what I mean? I got like, opened up on one. If Dana White was like, I'm, I'm really sorry about some of the, the, the health implications that this, this sport has. Talking of Dana White, have you seen this slap competition? Yeah, I've seen that. Oh my That's God. This taking off as well. Like, like, But who in the right mind would want to do that? Let's get one up on YouTube. Oh um, my God. They've got things in their ears, haven't they? He's got a gum shield on this one. Fucking oh hell. God. Look at all these brands and all our mark. I'm sorry, but my business brain's just that's, like... How, that's Cowboy how, Cerrone as well. That's one of the best UFC fighters yeah. in the crowd. But yeah, you're right. How are they, How is like a group of grown-ass men just slapping each other in the face? I mean, crazy. Have you seen, have you seen death diving as well? No. So like, so that's the, the, the new thing where... It's, so, it's super popular in like Scandinavian countries, I think, and... and this full-on like world championships. Is it where they're doing belly flops? Yes, yeah, so basically they jump off, like do weird stuff in the air, and I, th I believe the. There you go. I mean, that's as dangerous as it comes. Oh my word! So it's like where they're gonna. Oh, 
oh God, where they're going to belly flop, they like fold in half so the feet and the hands break yeah, the water yeah. at the same time and it doesn't hurt. You can die do, doing that, can't you? Well, yeah. the I, risk is like hitting your face like so yeah. hard from the height. I love a story. So I was in New Zealand when I was younger for a year and there was all these young lads doing flips off the bridges. Yeah. So I just literally saw them do it and I bunny hopped over and I've gone down, just landed like bang, like that. Arse is killing me and I'm climbing out the rocks. Everyone's laughing their fucking head off. So I'm thinking my shorts have fallen off. No, water shot on my ass. They're shit folding down my legs. Oh I've got a, like God. a clonic irrigation or something. <laughs> what, like full on proper shit? Well, yeah. as in, yeah, as in it was out. The insides, the water had gone that far up that it is out oh everywhere. My God. Never been more embarrassed in my life. Well, I have, but yeah. That power slap. Mate, these things are... But people love it, don't they? Yeah. It, again, it comes back to things... It's like short entertainment and stuff that most people can't do. So this Gymshark, what a story. What's the guy's name? Ben, ben Francis. Ben yeah. Francis. I think he's doing a podcast in here, not with me, but he's he's doing one in here. Cool brand as well. Great. That Just the, hit the mark. Do you know what? They're so amazing to work with as well. As a, they, they, they sort of catapulted and just steamrolled that whole like influencer marketing wave and, and still are really. They're doing it properly and they're not... You know, like it, it became saturated for a period of time, but the athletes, for, yeah. the, the athletes they've got on the roster, I'm super grateful to be to be a part of that. Are just unbelievable. But working with them as well, they're just super supportive in your own content. Allow you to just you, you, they they realise that we're the ones that that get our content and our story and what's worked for us in the past. And that, like, you know, I think you, you do when you're mixing, you'll get it with the podcast and stuff when you get in involved in sort of brand deals they want things a certain way and it's just sometimes it's like pulling your hair out it's like well if we did it this way you'd, you'd get 10 times more views because i know roughly how the platform works mm. versus what you want and it's like well whereas you know gymshark just to give you free reign to do whatever you want and the build the you know in the billions now in it i guess it's well you can see as well you can see with the content they do and the things that they're doing with the star and the just the culture around the brand is just phenomenal. If you go to the lifting club and the headquarters in Birmingham, just, you know, the place for all the athletes to come and train and hang out whenever they want, the staff to, yeah, it's, I'm super, super grateful to be a part of that team. It's unbelievable. What a cool brand. It it's really a is. dream to build something like that, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's one of them. You could have a thousand failed businesses and just one like that takes off yeah. and you take over the world. And the star is so inspiring. Like He's, he's, he's such a, a lovely guy, but... He, he was sort of built to be a billionaire. Like he, he, he can tell he's just he's just really good at what he does, and it just so happens that it makes him a hell of a lot of money. But he's just completely not interested. You know, he's a family man. Got his, he just wears Gymshark clothes all the time. Rocks up to the stuff, does his work, and he's, you can tell he's just absolutely obsessed and in love with his baby, which is Gymshark, and rightfully so. And I'm super inspiring to see. Um, so the Stortman brothers, they're Gymshark athletes, are they? Yeah, so yeah, met met Luke and Tom at the uh, lift event that Gymshark do a lot of um, yeah. those sorts of events. Unbelievable guys, just just really lovely humans. Yeah. Um, good crack. Did, good did you go up to their gym as well? Yeah, we went up to Invergordon. Invergordon. Lovely little town. They sort of run it, it's great. You yeah. know, it's like everyone knows everyone in there is like such great guys went swam in the lock yeah he's big into that isn't he proper love it 
you know, it's that that's their drug that's swimming in the cold. He's yeah. all over that. I know. Do you, do you do do your ice baths? Yeah, I, well, I do it cold showers and stuff like that. But I'm into all that, like hot saunas and stuff like that. I love it, mate. Well, they, that's. I just love that idea of. Um, I mean, I, I definitely feel the like the positive effects mentally more so than fit physically. I don't necessarily. I used to do it to recover as an athlete every week, mm. but I just love that idea of making yourself do that and i saw something and it might have been bollocks with the content that you see but the dopamine hit is something like mm. four times stronger than a line of cocaine or something yeah. like ridiculous yeah. like that not that it's ridiculous to do that anyway but you know what i mean in terms of the the high that you get i can see that and I, like, it's, it's that. better in it i love it in that an actual lake it's difficult where i'm from to find one but you know these guys just drive down to the loch ness every morning and it's like four degrees and go for a swim and soak in the the scenery and stuff it's just definitely try that i think yeah those that are listening and haven't tried it yeah first thing in the morning even if it's just a cold bath you'd be surprised if you put the, the tap on the coldest it's probably only gonna be like 12 to 15 degrees it's still freaking hard to get in yeah absolute monsters of humans so that's on your youtube page what are the what's your best one what's your favorite bit of content we'll watch that Look, i mean what's, I what's mean, the, I mean, what's the most watched if you scroll down you just add it there if you go a little bit Tiny bit further down. I keep going. Oh, let's watch this one first. Oh, there's. Oh, well, I, let's. I tell you what, you might as well show my Olympic routine. Yeah, you, yeah. You see there, that's the the head to head gymnastics challenge. Twenty seven million views. So that sort of content really took off for me that with the um, young talent. So you can see here, like this this kid's thirteen years Look at old. Your face. They all beat me at these challenges. I, n I didn't win a single challenge. Oh my word! So they are what? What do you call handstand press ups? Is that what they call handstand push ups? Yeah. And again, like these are strict. Look, look at legs straight, head touching the ground. My like CrossFitters are bouncing up and down. Like how many have we done there? <laughs> <laughs> that was the. Um, I think you must have done like seventeen there. So seventeen strict as I'm push ups at 30, thirteen. And he's years not old. even. He's not even sweating. No. So like I, that, I've sort of tapped into a little bit of, knew that it would gather attention. Wow. Did you think it would take off that much? No, not a chance. Doing like 15 muscle-ups. This is a super viral moment. When he did the, um, so like the, the, like so you got, you're laying flat and then from that position without having a sway or a swing, you, you have to press straight handstand. Do you know how difficult that is? And he just flew up like that. Look at you, you're just like... Unbelievable. He's going somewhere, that kid, isn't he? He's, he's, he's still currently training, he's on the squad, like, doing well. How old is doing he? Doing really well, he will now, that, that'll be five years ago, six years ago, so he'll now be, he'll be 18. And what's his name, do you remember? Simon Toussaint, he is. So um, cool. Showcasing young talent, like... But, but that's what everyone's in, that's what they're into, like, you, you're speaking to the next generation, like... Yeah. The gen, yeah, yeah. the gen Z who like let's be honest they're, they're not picking up books as much now like they're looking for inspiration mm -hmm. that way and then they'll go and try it I think yeah as a, as a thread with my content I've always tried to like get people moving you know this whole wave of gamers esports sat in a chair all day it's like oh, that's not no, for me man exactly. come on we, like, remember yeah. as a kid you used to just go and play out exactly like douche douche it move your body do yeah. sports compete think of some games to do play play move so it's like I, I love the fact I'm still creating vlogs and it, and it probably would be easier for my YouTube 
content creators to do like reaction stuff and sit in a chair and like do all this stuff and it, it, it takes a lot more work to go out somewhere to have a physical challenge to do all this stuff but I know deep down it's hopefully inspiring the next generation to still do sports and move and get active and try stuff and that's I, that's what I'm super passionate about. That, well. That's where YouTube is so good. Like you look at like the shorts on my lads all over basketball, like NBA, yeah, yeah. and then it will look at the clips from there. Then it will go out and do them. So yeah. like you're using it in a in a good yeah, way. Yeah, you're educating yourself. 100%. I used to do it all the time. Like watch study, study. I've watched every single gymnastics video there ever was on YouTube back in like oh eight or nine. Like study it. How they're doing it. What does it look like? Imagine yourself doing it. Visualize. It's a great tool, and and you don't really. I probably put a lot of my success down to being able to do that mm. without really realizing that I was doing it because I was super obsessed. Just, but then what that watching is is like reading a book. Can you imagine how good some of these kids now oh. with access to that are going to be? Ah, oh, but it's happening, man. Mm. These kids are doing stuff at 11, 12 years old that I couldn't. I was training when I was like seventeen, eighteen. It's like oh, the shift of where's the sport going to go. It's exciting. And where the ceiling is. It's. I listened yeah. to something as well recently around steroids in sport and whether or not they should have like a drug olympics yeah i mean i I shouldn't say this but it'd be fascinating to see i'd love to see it what particularly like on a sport on a technical sport like gymnastics what impact it would have Mm. on you know i don't know the science behind obviously steroid use and but it's most commonly known in like bodybuilding obviously to aesthetically look a different way Mm. you recover quicker you build muscle quicker your shape is different but gymnasts you don't you don't want to be big and heavy so but but what what implication would it have what would you get people what what would you get these strong men doing on rings like you'd be getting like luke and tom stoltman like literally (laughs) jacked holding 28 stone up on them i I mean mean, they'll never do it will they but i don't know well, yeah, I, f- well, they do it in bodybuilding. I suppose they're getting they're getting two grown ass big fat men to slap each other in front of a big audience. So, I mean, it, it'd be more entertaining to watch. Well, I I guess, w- watching I, a, a sub ten, like a sub yeah, nine, yeah, nine second hundred like, meters. What, what's the what's the actual ceiling and limit to the what the human body uh, body is like capable of? Well, the, the the argument was I can't remember who the guy was, but he was talking. Why would you not use science? Why would you not use everything at your disposal for human optimization? Which you see more, especially in America, mm. a, a lot of people taking steroids or micro dosing in that space. You know, like mushrooms. Mm. Bloody, they're, they're all smoking weed now. Mm. They're topping themselves up with IV drips with vitamins. Yeah. They do that in South Africa. They do that in rugby, like these kind of things. So as you, I mean, this is something I'm interested in because as I'm aging, I'm tall, yeah. body's wrecked. You know, had a hormone, had a thyroidectomy, which is a hormone regulator. So looking of ways to be like, right, how do I feel optimal? Yeah. And then using that in sport. Like I'd watch yeah. it, you know. 100%. I guess it's just... It's just being decided that these certain things are not allowed to be used. It's like, well, you know, we can do the stem cell now and the the hyperbaric stuff. The all, it's like, who? Dec- why aren't those illegal? Mm. Natural, they would say, even though you do produce testosterone. I don't know enough about it. I just saw this guy. But I was thinking, fucking be wild. It would be. It it it'd be really interesting and exciting. And I mean, it's a shame that people do use it in sport mm. that they, then they're not allowed it's you know that, that was the biggest one of the biggest fears to me but towards the back end of my career I, I actually stopped taking 
supplements altogether. Just, I guess, from the sheer completely removing the risk of ever getting a contaminated supplement. Like, I just didn't want that risk there. The the thought of, you know, you you get a positive drugs test, it's just completely your life, your life is over, all your reputation is completely tarnished, whether it was your fault or not, because there is stories and it is possible and we get linked to that, you have to keep all the batch codes of all the supplements that you were using and I just sort of got to the point where I was like, do you know what, I can get all this from my food mm. and I just want to remove that risk and to be honest, probably the biggest game changer in for, for what I found was sleep, if you slept well enough you recover pretty pretty freaking well. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But, you know, not everyone does that. No, talking to that, I was in Colorado a few weeks ago and met Lance Armstrong. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So went to he does a podcast called The Move. Mm-hmm. So a mate of a mate knows him. So went to his studio in Aspen. Him, there's a guy called George Hincampe. It's, this is probably before your time, but you know Lance's story, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah so the, the George Hincampe was his right-hand man took the fall for him and stuff like that. But that was like, that's the biggest sports scandal. Yeah. One of the biggest scandals ever yeah. of my generation. And I'm in a, a podcast studio, not as nice as this, but <laughs> a nice studio with him. And you could just, yeah, I don't know, maybe because it's there, but you know, there's just that thing that's always there. Like what, what he did, like what happened. And yeah. I, you know, there's talk of him potentially coming in and not that I'm going to quiz him. I think he'd completely out alpha me you know just yeah it's so dominant but fucking wild story yeah well yeah but yeah you're right you just you're a cheat yeah you always will be i'm sorry man. you just like yeah you are a cheat and that's what it felt like you mm-hmm. know even being there and so much time has passed but i imagine every single person that sees him for the first time mm-hmm. and as harsh as it sounds like if he's going to school to drop his mm. kids off and it's, oh, it's Lance Armstrong you don't think one of the greatest athletes ever which he probably is yeah. and was yeah you just think look by, well, well by the way I have to say that harshly I'm sure he's an unbelievable human being and, and like you don't know what was motivating him back then you don't know what systems were in place why he made the decisions done I've made a hell of a lot of bad decisions in my life mm. and made a hell of a lot of mistakes but it, just labeling that the, the, the moment you're a professional athlete and there's a positive drugs test it's game over man like it doesn't matter what the situation was well his was worse as well there wasn't because like it's interesting when I mentioned it your first thing is cheat and as harsh as it is that is the facts but it's the way that he did it hmm. as well like he was like a category he was shouting at the journos like mm. I think it's Paul Kimmage was he actually wrote a book for my mate and I think he was the one and David Walsh from the Times and he's a fucking wrecking them in the in the in the uh, media room conferences and stuff like that that's why I think that's why it just got so nasty you just you just hope that everyone's on a, pl- of a le- like as a, as an athlete in integrity and equality is such a such a huge value and to know that sometimes you may be rocking up to a a competition where it's imbalanced like R- russia have you know i've seen icarus the documentary i've i've witnessed certain certain things that it's just it's it's not nice mm-hmm. when you're when you've dedicated your whole life to you know get imagine being i've met some of the the medalists that have been handed the medal 10 years later because they came fourth in beijing and then they've you know they've obviously read on the tell of a lot more drugs tests and testing them out and stuff it's just like that person is like their life could have been so much fucking different because people wanted to take drugs and yeah. cheat. You know, it's just like yeah, 
it's a tough part of sport, I guess, for sure. Especially in the Olympics. Like, mm. That's the one now. It's almost like the Tour de France. Like If you speak to cycling purist fans, they don't want to watch that because it's so tarnished. And there's yeah. an element of that with the Olympics. Like If you see someone do something unbelievable, like Usain Bolt, for example, like... There's loads of people that would be thinking, well, he's, he's clearly taking drugs. Like, there's no way he can be that good. And he's saying he's eating chicken nuggets before the race. Yeah, yeah. I guess, yeah, the Olympic sports, is more, it's a lot more heightened and, it, and, it, and it's more, you, you'll have your specific sports that are maybe used to it. Weightlifting is quite a big one. You know, mm. the amount of positive tests in weightlifting has been astronomical versus gymnastics. I think there's probably been, you can count them on one hand over the last 30 to 50 years. Do you know what I mean? So... Yeah, I've seen some things. And in gymnastics, what would that affect? Was your your sport wasn't tarnished by never, anything like no, that? Never, no, never. I mean, like, look, the, the Russians were banned, and there was a Russian gymnast that that had had a positive test, but then still, that after the stories had all gone through, still competed like three months later, which didn't make sense to a, mm. a lot of us. But like, you don't get it in in gymnastics. Because what would it affect? So if, if there was a Russian athlete. I'm trying to think. I know athletically or trying to put on weight or strength or so, bulk. Mate, it's, it's, it's nothing to do with... You would never, ever use that for aesthetics. It, it's about recovery. Yeah. So I don't know what it was like for you training, but when my weekly schedule would be, you know, Monday, I'd be training three hours on a Monday, but that would just be like body prep for the week. I've had a day off on Sunday, get your body moving. And Tuesday would be... a a four to six hour day double session where if I'm, if a comp's coming up, I'd be hammering out my routines for that competition. I'd train again. Wednesday morning, I'd feel like I've been hit by a bus, mate. Like mm. I could like absolutely fucked. So then Wednesday's a down day. You probably have one session, just active rest, but you're still training two, three hours. Then Thursday you go again. So you're having to do these peaks and troughs in your week because it's physically impossible at the level that you're training to just maintain healthily that that level of work unless you have some help mm. so it wouldn't be about how you looked or like getting putting on size it'd be like well to be honest if i can recover that fast i could do what i do on a tuesday i could do that monday saturday day in day out because i'm i'm recovering yeah that's what so it that, is i think that's so that, what that's what it that's, that's what, what it, that's the do, game yeah. yeah that's what the game changer would be for sure and i've seen some just just some unbelievable output of work from like the Russian athletes, I guess. And it's just like, hmm, something not quite right there. Cause I, I know physiology and I know what it's like to be at this level. Yeah, You're just bashing language, it out yeah. day in, day out. I'm like, wow. I would have been fucking frightening on steroids. I'll tell you now. <laughs> so much quicker. Right. Let's finish off with another video. Why not? I've never had so many videos. Which yeah. one is your, is your routine so, yeah, on here? If you, if you type in Niall Wilson high bar, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to talk you through it? Yeah, talk us through it. Yeah, 100%. So there That's you been are. been a while since In I Australia, this. 2018. Australia, Gold Coast. Oh, look at your eyes are all over the place. I'm like Cristiano Ronaldo about to take a penalty. I was absolutely knackered at this point, by the way, because this was like the final apparatus and I'd done two all-round competitions, four finals. And I just remember thinking... I didn't warm up or anything. I was like, I need to conserve all my energy. Loads of chalk. Loads of chalk. As soon as, yeah. As soon as you put your arm up, the adrenaline hits and then your body takes over. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll miss it. You're not dizzy as anything, or not? I mean, I know it's a stupid question, but you don't you don't feel it, mate. You, mm. you get you get used to the feeling. High bar was was definitely one of my one of my specialities, and it's tough. You, you've got all them release and catch. So you go through a bit of a journey on in these routines because, like, remember at the start, I've got to do five release and catch moves, and you're mm. like, that's a mission. Once they're done, then you've you've got the intricate turns that you need to in order to get high scores, like try and land in handstand, and then obviously up to the dismount the the shape and landing I um, I stuck that dead quite a few times when it mattered I was always known for sticking my dismount which was quite cool but that feeling there what we were talking about earlier and you, 10, and you know people and you know right yeah it's done deal like gold medal yeah yeah so good dad going mental oh is, it, is that, that it, it dad, to Australia yeah. Really, really Fuck cool feeling. Yeah, look at the shape on you. <clears throat> big neck, big arms, obviously. Who's that? The coach? Coach Barry, yeah. Been through some amazing times. Do you know what? It's like that. that's the icing on the cake. That's the picture you paint. And in sport, you, that's your that. job. Like My job's to make that look really easy. But look at that view there. Gold Coast 2018, flashing in the background. What a shot. That's cool, isn't it? Just managed to catch that one. Oh, the, yeah, yeah. That's the icing on the cake, and everyone screams and claps, and it's nice to stand. But I tell you what, there's a whole story behind every athlete's, I guess, moment. A lot of, lot of pain, a hell of a lot of pain. Yeah, a lot of ups and downs. You know, I li- we, you have been, I lived in the gym, mate. I was training thirty hours a week from the age of fourteen, mm. fifteen. For that moment, though, thirty hours. Yeah, well, yeah. I spent more time with my coach than I did my dad. Mm. You know, like you sacrificed everything. You missed parties. You didn't drink alcohol. You ate good food. It's just like, was it worth it? Was it? Definitely. Yeah. hundred exactly. million percent worth it. And that's the thing. You're a young man still. You know, it's yeah. just like, it's not a shame, but it came so young. And like, it goes back to the initial thing that we we're talking about, like how, and it won't ever, yeah. you know, that feeling won't happen again for either well you're still young I mean maybe maybe I, I, I feel like I've got a bit more left in me you know Jim I'd like I mean I'm obsessed with golf but like I, I really want to I still feel like I'm not quite done yet I need you know like I can I don't know what it is yet I'm trying yeah. to find it and figure it out obviously I'm not going to be on the PGA at all it's probably well it's definitely well I, I'm down to six handicap now and I've only played for two years so but that's the same thing just like addicted obsessed mm. But I, I still feel like I've I've got something left in the tank in some way, shape, or form to something physical. Yeah, to compete at mm. a high level at something. Um, you know, and I've tried making a few gymnastics comebacks, but every time I go in the gym and train for a little bit, I, re, I it remind me why I stopped because of my neck. So I had like neck uh, surgery in 2019 and damaged a lot of nerves. I know some of your yourself and rugby boys will know what that's like. So. Mm. It, I remember there's a reason why I retired when it starts hurting again and flaring up. But I, I'd love to just compete in like my life, you know, just something to win and creating a moment where mm. I do something cool. So, yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm with maybe you. rugby. I think I've got the size for it. <laughs> yeah, they're, sm- they're smaller now. Interesting, I had uh, George Groves in here. Do you remember George Groves, boxer? Yeah. So he fought. Carl Frox was a famous one. So I've become quite pally with him, done a mm-hmm. bit of training with him, but he's only 32. 
and he had world title fights and he's the opposite like he's like just switched it off got out of boxing done like early yeah. um had some massive fights cognitively fine as well didn't yeah. take much trauma but I, I look at someone like that as well like but his spark has gone he blown up put a bit of weight on he's comfortable made millions of pounds maybe that's what it is maybe it's not i don't know maybe it's not all about the money but he made millions of pounds like unbelievable boxer and i trained with him like he got a gym down the road i'm like you want to see him hit the pads as you could imagine yeah right hop, hop, the noise you see you imagine your chin being on the end of one of them and i was like mate surely when you hit that and he said yeah i want to hit the pads he's like i can feel it. like you could just see just a killer yeah yeah and I was like, yeah and so when you're talking about it and he's you know we're doing a podcast about it it's very different to when he's got his boots strapped up his gloves laced up and he's he's me yeah yeah and i was like you've still and he said yeah when i move in the ring and we were doing a bit in the ring and stuff like that he was like yeah you still got you you, still, you never lose it i realized that in the last few i i um i've sort of kept relatively fit i try and train for my mm. my mental well-being more than anything else but when we go back in and do silly videos for content, or the, the other day we had a we had a lads competition, young boys competition at Nihilus and Gymnastics Rotherham, and I got back on the bar and did this certain release and catch move, and I had a, like a big crowd there and the parents, and I got I hadn't done it for two years, and I'm I'm just thinking God, I don't, this is quite big. I don't know if I should be able to do this. I said I have three goes, and I missed it. I, I didn't catch all three, and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I need to look after myself. And then they did something else, and I was like, do you know what, I can't. I cannot leave this building with all these people watching me and not having fucking caught this this move. So I had the fourth go and I caught it and it was just like, Come it, on! yeah, it's like and at that time I had to do it and I was there was no other mm. way that I was that I was gonna miss the bar. And it's just like you, that it's still inside you that beast that competitive animal that's just a performer as well, I guess. Yeah, well I'm searching for that. I don't know what it is. It can't be rugby. I played a charity game last year. Got handed off in the chest by. A good mate of mine, but he just retired. Talking to the next, handed me off in the chest, and my head went back, and it nipped a nerve, and I had pins and needles in my feet, and I was like, literally. What cemented. did? What did? If so, I, that scar is from a thyroid, right? Um, taken out. I've got a pin in the rib there, but I've got C four, C five. Is that, is that is that neck is it yeah now l4 l5 and then c4 c5 i've got n nothing there but i've got a bulging disc oh you've got one now yeah yeah so, so i had c6 c5 6 fused yeah from the same thing but i would ask them the well i remember you i heard were you, you talking were you, about it. you down your foot or is that from your lower back well no that that one's from the 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 neck so like even right. if you look at me now like as in if i just sit there you can see one of my traps is like yeah. much more yeah like up than the other one mm -hmm. and that's nerve there's a name for it i don't know what i don't know what it is but yeah like that c4 c5 is a very common injury i've got loads of mates who've had surgery on that like bulging discs yeah. shaved or some of them have got bloody um, like metal work and stuff. Yeah, that's what I've got. So I had the metal cage, the cage and, and that's the, the one. The disc replacement put in, so then your spine fuses. But I I was all down my arm mm. um, and spine. But it, it's just. The burning. Oh, it's, it's horrific, man. The, the, I remember the, the day that it hurt my, my disc, so it fully herniated. It's like pretty much tore and like popped out. It wasn't like a little bulge anymore. It was fucking gone. <laughs> It was two weeks before that moment happened. So I was on the surgery table getting the fusion surgery, and in that two weeks, I was in eight to ten out of ten pain, twenty four seven. 
like and as well your, your neck holds your head up on your shoulders you, you, most of the time when you've got an injury you can put your feet up and you want to let, lie down and rest like sleeping is the worst thing mm. in it i don't you know yeah, I mean? yeah. you, you sleep on the wrong way like you can't get your head comfortable and you know i think it was just because that disc was on a nerve like all down my arm lost you know my pet collapsed all this sort of stuff Nasty work, nasty piece of work. Nerve damage isn't good. No, it isn't. At all. It's anything. almost like you'd rather break. You, you, you find yeah. out in sports when you go through it, you, you, you want to break bones, man. You don't want to do Easy. all else. Easy peasy, six weeks, sorted, get crack back on. Yeah. Anything else, you know, like, in a, and I think gymnastics is a hell of a lot of impact. And most of the guys, we, we're just joint, joints, you know, ligaments. Yeah. Done my ankle, both wrists, surgery. Um, and like you said, like the muscle tissue, that's the healthiest it'll ever, it's ever going to get for ever, a human ever. Mm-hmm. You don't get any muscle tears or problems like that. It's, you get soreness, but it's just uh, how long can your body last the impact of what we're doing, you know? But it's like, it's funny you say, it's like whenever you got injured or whenever the kids get injured, oh, it's not broken. It's like, yeah, actually, you prefer it to be broken. I yeah. remember that I dislocated yeah. my ankle. It was literally my toes were pointing around the back and I went for a scan and went back and they were like oh, you've not even broke it i was like no no i haven't broken it but i've ruptured every ligament yeah. in the ankle like that's and I was 10 like, times worse that's a year exactly. that's a year rehab yeah it's so you'd much yeah. rather break stuff did you have like systems in place for the, for the players rehabbing yeah did you all have to go to like certain camps and yeah have, or do you have your own individual program well it varied i mean the, the specialist ones which were out there were like knees so there's yeah. a guy called Bill Knowles who was the best in the business and yeah. he's got a, a kind of sanctuary over in America. Right. So he was like the knee man, but they never really found a shoulder man or woman to help yeah. you. So shoulders are the, I, I'd say out of all the injuries that I've had, and I've had loads, like broken legs, broken feet, dislocated ankles, nearly lost my eye, eyelid reconstructed, fucking plate in my cheek, broken fingers, broken ribs, broken sternum, like, Torn patella tendon in my knee, medials gone. Mate, I'd say I thought I had a bit pretty decent listen, um, shopping list, yeah, bro. I know, and this is the thing: it's like I will sell the sport forever, like yeah. in in order, you know, like of, of all these things. But the worst things, shoulders, because yeah. you have to tackle. Yeah, and yeah, like they, they, I think when you injure a shoulder, they're just that one. What was the never, most common like your AC joint? Pain or like snap, like ligament. No, it'd be like the rotator cuff in the cuff. middle. Yeah, cuff tears and stuff. Cuff tears, yeah. yeah. And then we big... get we get a lot of them. They're not nice. No, you get impingement and stuff as uh, well. Yeah, impingement. Same thing. Yeah, they did all the rehab wrong as well. So when we were rehabbing, you do them kind of in, yeah, yeah, internal, like band, yeah, external. Yeah, yeah. They don't do that now. Right. Like because you're aggravating in that position. All right. Oh, really? So, so I'd be in, well, in rugby, and I was in these machines where you push against this machine, and it'd be like, it's fucking... It's killing like, me, yeah. Yeah, my shoulder's not in the right position. Anyway. Was the, were the cortisone injections rife with you guys? Oh, well, I was watching, so they were rife when I was playing. It was cortisol, um, the steroid one. Steroid, well. yeah. yeah. I, I don't know whether that is cortisol, like painkiller's yeah. big issue, and that's a yeah, big I'll issue bet. in rugby now. I was watching the England-Wales because there's a World Cup around the corner, the interviews after Warren Gatland, the head coach, is like, yeah, so-and-so's been jabbed last week, he should be all right, so-and-so's been jabbed, just willy-nilly. I was like, mate, I thought it was a secret, everyone getting jabbed, and now it's... I had, I had like 13, 14 mm. in total, 
I mean, look, looking at it, it makes sense. You've got like a short-lived career, and like in that moment, you don't give a you don't give a crap about the long-term implications mm. of what the hell you're doing to yourself. It's just like I want to win an Olympic medal, mm. and you'd be like, I want to win a trophy and be the best player in the freaking league or whatever. You just crack on, but like the looking back, it's not great. It's for from from either side really, and I feel like now there's started to be a shift in more of like the care of athletes and the men, like mentally specifically. You talk about painkillers. I bet it was, I bet they were popping them out like smarties, and you could just get it's complete ease of access to anything that you wanted. Yeah, the challenge is is you, you need them because mm. you're in a fucking hell of a lot of pain. Mm. But then when do you cross the lines? Like, well, I'm a super addictive personality. When do you cross? Where's the, there's a there's a grey area which is a bit blurred, which is like, well, am I now taking uh, this codeine or whatever it may be because it's helping my career, or am I taking this because I feel good mm. to help me sleep a little bit better? Or you know, you got to keep asking yourself those questions. And I often find myself in scenarios where it's like, well, I'm continually taking these painkillers or whatever it you know, like or sleeping tablets or whatever it may mm. be, and it's. I don't need them. Like, yeah, I want them. That's where I, I mentioned my mate Ryan Cordwell. We we're talking about. We had the clips up on screen. Had him on, and that's where it started for him: addiction, painkillers, mm-hmm. sleeping tablets, and then into class A's straight after that, and really struggled to get off the opioids, which yeah. is a Christ, story for another day. For oh, sure, but, yeah. But like, I, I've 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 had it with the codeine after my neck and. <sighs> Yeah, it feels great. Yeah, it does. It feels fucking good. It man. does. It really does. And you can get it like that mm. if you want it. Yeah. Like, for people that want to reach out or get in contact, for the millions of my listeners and stuff, <laughs> but I know that you're well established in that space. But for people that haven't heard you, there'll be a load of new people that haven't. Yeah, just just get me on Instagram, Niall Niall Wilson, N I L E, like the river. Yeah. Um, Check out my stuff. I think everybody in this planet should be a gymnast in some way, shape, or form. Jim, we're going to definitely get you doing a backflip. We could do that. You, you, you've no excuses with Tom and Luke showing you that they can do it. So every child on this earth should do gymnastics. So look, look out for the hopefully the big movement we're going to create with our business, and you know hopefully give as many kids as possible access to be able to join in in what I believe is the most incredible sport in the world. And Jim, thanks for having me on, mate. It's been a pleasure. It's been absolutely amazing. Where are the centres? You said one in Manchester. We've got, so no, at the moment we have got Leeds, Rotherham, Mansfield and Coventry. Mansfield. I'm from Coventry, so. Awesome. Um, yeah. That in the next five to ten years will double, treble. We'll be, we've, our team is on it. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're we're trying to scatter ourselves across the whole country and, and be the, the biggest supplier in the world for, for gymnastics. Unreal. Matt Wilson. Awesome, mate. Cheers, brother. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.